0: a new life, thought, yes, I'll have a new home, glory, glory, glory. with the redeemed, God stand. stand, there'll be no more sorrow, no, no more pain, pain, there'll be no more strife, strife. No more strife. More strife. yes, raising the likeness it of my sight, ready to live, I'll, I'll be glad, bland. I'll have a new body, praise the Lord, I'll have a new life, life. eternal Three. Every imperfection, youthful and happy, I shall be. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life, glorified with Him forever. Death will be lost in victory. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. I'll have a new home. Glory, glory, with the redeemed, never stand. Sorrow, no, no more pain, pain, there'll be no more no strife, strife. strife. Yes, raise in the likeness in of my savior, likeness. ready to live. I'll be, be glad, glad i have a new body. Praise, Praise the Lord, I'll, I'll have a new life. life eternal. One. A hallelujah morning when the last trump of God shall sound. A new life, eternal grace. All bursting saints are shouting. Heavenly beauty all around. I'll have a new body. Praise, Praise the Lord! I'll have a new life. new life. yes. I'll have a new home. Glory, be glory. With a redeeming no to stand. Stand. There'll be No more sorrow. No, no more pain. pain. There'll be no be more strife. strife. Yes, raising the likeness of this likeness. Ready to live, I'll be glad. glad. Praise the Lord, I'll
1: have a new life, eternal Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be. Welcome to the Passion for Christ show. So glad to have you, friend. I just want to let you know, I'm your host, Bruce Kessler, and I'm part of the greatest movement ever, a follower of Jesus Christ, because you see in Him alone, I find peace, joy, forgiveness, happiness, I'm blessed beyond measure more than I could ever deserve. My goal here is very simple that is to encourage you friend along the way to help you find your passion in life in Jesus Christ. Upcoming in our study segment we begin a two-parter. It's going to come out of 1 Samuel chapter 28 and talking about Saul. The title is Dreadfully Afraid. Dreadfully Afraid. But before we get to that study, a powerful one it is, before we get there, we got a few things along the way. And the first is Headline News. Oh, get this, friend, get this. A Presbyterian minister is receiving pushback from the pro-life community for arguing in the U.S. Today column that abortion can be a morally good decision and for urging Christians to stand up and speak out in support for legalized abortion. Rebecca Todd Peters, a professor of religious studies at Ellen University, and an ordained minister in the Presbyterian Church said in a New U.S. Today column that she had two abortions and considers both to be positive moments in her life. She said, I can say without a doubt that the two decisions we made to have children were far more morally significant than the decisions to end two pregnancies guided by Christian principles that promote abundant life, seek justice, and recognize the human dignity of women. The decision to end the pregnancy can be a morally good decision. There are multiple ways, she wrote, in which an abortion can be a morally good decision. Ending a pregnancy when one cannot afford to care for a child can be a morally responsible decision. Ending a pregnancy when one is not emotionally or physically able to Ready to be a parent is another one ending a pregnancy that will interrupt one's education or career The tools that enable people in our culture to prepare themselves to live stable and abundant lives Pro-life leader Albert Muller the president of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary said her argument is devoid of biblical ethics This is literally what the Bible warns about. Those who call evil good and good evil. That is exactly what's going on there. Can you believe that, folks? Can you believe that? Abortion is a morally good decision, a minister says in controversial USA Today column. Mm -mm -mm. My, oh, my, folks my oh my indeed well get this you won't believe it you won't believe it nearly half of americans watched online church services during the covid19 pandemic including many who normally do not attend in-person services according to a new lifeway research survey how about that folks The poll found that 45% of Americans say they watched an online church service during the pandemic. The number includes 30% who normally attend church in person and 15% who typically do not attend church. Americans ages 18 through 34 18% and 50 to 64, 18% are the most likely to say they watched a streaming service even though they usually don't attend church in person. The data suggests that millions of unchurched people in the United States tuned in to a streaming service while stuck at home. Isn't that interesting, folks? Scott McConnell, executive director of Lifeway Research says the distance to one nearest church has changed almost overnight a Form of communication that was not even used by most churches before the pandemic has now reached almost half of Americans, can you believe that folks? what an amazing poll that is Millions of unchurched Americans watch streaming services during pandemic. Wow. wow. indeed, folks. Well, now this is a stunning poll as well, folks. According to a new survey from Probe Ministries, almost 70% of born-again Christians believe, get this, folks, one can get to heaven through Jesus Christ or another way the newest release of the religious views and practices of American adult survey focuses on how often people witness of their faith and the reasons why some refrain from doing so when it came to witnesses viewing when it came to witnessing fewer than one out of five religiously affiliated Americans strongly disagree with the statement that Muhammad Buddha and Jesus all taught valid ways to God. Concurrently, 60% of them said they share their beliefs with others at least once a year in order to convert them. Regarding born again Christians, nearly two thirds, 64%, said they share their faith at least once a year. When asked what prevents them from communicating their faith to unbelievers, close to 70% of born again Christians say there are other ways to heaven aside from turning to Christ for salvation. Mm. hmm Steve Cable, Senior, Vice President of Pro Ministries, explains that if you think there are multiple ways to heaven, why would you want to go out of your way to convert someone to your religion? <laughs> <That's> a, <laughs> that is a good question. Why would you even die? for your religious beliefs if you thought that there were other ways. Oh, perplexing indeed, folks. Perplexing indeed. Almost 70% of born-again Christians say Jesus Christ isn't the only way to God. Mmm. Confusion. Mass hysteria. Chaos. (laughs) It seems to be following a pattern, folks. And And that's our headline news for this broadcast. This day in church history. On this day in church history, in 1537 A.D., death at Hampton Court of Jane Seymour, consort of Henry VIII, two weeks after giving birth to Prince Edward, who will promote the Protestant Reformation in England. On this day, in 1648, the Peace of Westphalia ends Central Europe's Thirty Years' War, extending equal rights to Catholics and Protestants. Isn't that something? In 1869, John Patton observes the Lord's Supper with his first converts on Anahua and New Hybrides, Finally, on this day in 2005, death in Detroit, Michigan of Rosa Parks, whose Christian faith had given her the courage to resist segregation in Alabama, she was a member of the African Methodist Episcopal Church. Amen, folks? And that's this day in church history now, folks, we have our thankfulness passage. It's going to come out of Luke chapter 11. It's going to be the example prayer that Jesus gave, starting in verse 2. When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we also forgive Others who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's our thankfulness passage, folks, for this segment. Luke chapter 11, verses 2 through 4. What a wonderful opportunity we have to remind ourselves to always be thankful to God and go to Him. In prayer and now folks, we have a little bit of fun and name that Bible character. Here is your clue: As Jesus watched, I am the amount of money the poor widow threw into the treasury. How much money am I? Here's your clue one more time. As Jesus watched, I am the amount of money the poor widow threw into the treasury. How much money am I? Hint, folks, keep it in King James Version. How much money am I? We'll reveal the final answer to this tantalizing clue following our study segments. So stay tuned, folks, for that exciting reveal and our final segment of Name That Bible Character. All right, folks, it's time for our study for this broadcast. Welcome to this study segment. Get your Bibles, get your hot cup of coffee. I got mine right here, or get your hot cup of tea or cold drink or whatever it is. Bring your Bibles, let's open up God's fantastic and powerful word. Amen. And we're going to be studying out of First Samuel chapter 28. First Samuel chapter 28, and we're going to talk about one of the most bizarre episodes in all of Scripture. I mean completely bizarre and strange indeed the title I have is called dreadfully afraid we're going to be studying about king Saul at the end of his life and the things and the the decisions that he made and how how those decisions placed him in an awful situation and it says that he got to the point where he was dreadfully afraid folks this is what happens when you abandon god and choose to make decisions on your own you step out of that umbrella of protection and love and being in christ you place yourself right in the way of the fiery darts of satan with no protection whatsoever and this is the end result basically the storyline for this folks is going to be don't abandon God don't listen to other voices God knows what he's doing he hasn't abandoned you he has a plan for you his will is expressly stated you can't find any other way to deal with your most severe problems in life don't turn to those other voices heed to the voice of Christ I mean let's so let's begin reading in first Samuel chapter 28 starting in verse 3 let's get going friend and by the way we we may not be able to get through this study for Uh, This one particular broadcast, so it might be a two-parter, but let's just get started, all right? Now Samuel had died, and all Israel had lamented for him and buried him in Ramah in his own city. And Saul had put the Medians and Spiritists out of the land. Now why did Saul do that? Well, all we need to do is go all the way back to Deuteronomy, Chapter 18, Deuteronomy chapter 18, and starting in verse 9, it reads this, When you come into the land which the Lord your God has given you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. So God had a clear plan, and the plan wasn't to be influenced by other nations or other gods or other entities he alone was going to express his will for his people verse 10 there shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire now that's just a a terrible, godless sacrifice of children, folks. So he says, There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, or one who practices witchcraft, or a soothsayer, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who conjures spells, or a medium, or spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. Now, It's interesting to note that scriptures just put forth the fact that these things exist. Don't go into a lot of detail about how these situations operate like sorcerer or one who uh, conjures spells or people who cause up the dead or they don't go into detail and that's on purpose. But they list these things as a fact. And we need to take heed. In verse 12 it says, For all those who do these things are an abomination to the Lord, and because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. So Saul understood that the will of God was for him to remove these types of people from among the nation of Israel. For these nations which you will dispossess, listen to soothsayers and diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not appointed such for you. So God says, I have a better plan. You listen to me. So this is exactly what we find. Let's go back now to 1 Samuel chapter 28. So it tells us, that Saul had put the mediums and spiritists out of the land. You remember what Paul said about Satan. Don't give place to Satan. And this is exactly what we find here of Saul. While Saul Saul removed the mediums and the spiritists out of the land, he didn't utterly remove them. Just like Saul disobeyed God who specifically commanded him to totally destroy and annihilate the Amalekites. Saul did not do that. He killed some. He did some of what God asked him to do. But he held some back as well. This is the problem that we get into, is it not? When we deal with sin and our sin issues... That we just do half-heartedly. We want to keep a little bit here. Keep a little bit of there. And it comes back to haunt us. Then the Philistines. Gathered together in verse 4. And came and encamped at Shunem. So Saul gathered all Israel together. And they encamped in Gilboa. And when Saul saw the army of the Philistines. He was afraid. And his heart trembled greatly. And when he. Saul inquired to the Lord. The Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by the prophets. You remember again that Saul had disobeyed God. Saul had completely chose to make decisions, decisions that were completely opposite of what God had asked him to do so. This is where we find ourselves. Saul is very troubled, he's afraid, his heart trembled greatly at the sight of the Philistine army. And you know what, folks? We need to be very afraid when we stand alone, when by our own sin and by our own decision making, we come. And we start doing things and living our life on our own, we need to tremble. We need to be very afraid. As the scriptures said, dreadfully afraid when we realize that it's us who have left God. God hasn't left us, but we left. Saul had chosen to leave God. God was no longer listening and would not answer him. Friend, what a terrible spot to be in. Can you get there? Is it possible? Well, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 1, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. And it goes on to say, Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from each which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. You see, things start to, and people start to act differently, think differently, dress differently, live differently when they choose a path opposite of God's will. So let's continue reading. Verse seven. Then Saul said to his servants, Find me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, In fact, there is a woman who is a medium at Endor. So Saul decides that since God won't answer him, there is other ways in which he can find answers. Many Christians believe that there are other ways. To get into heaven. You know, Jesus Christ says, I am the truth and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. So Saul was going a different route. He didn't get an answer from the Lord. So he sought out the very thing that's an abomination to God. Isn't that stunning, folks? Now just imagine yourself being king of Israel. And you're making these decisions before God, knowing His power, knowing His presence, knowing He's watching all the time. You see, sin makes you do crazy things. It turns you into something that God does not and cannot look at. It's enmity against Him, as Romans chapter 8 would say. In verse 8, we find this. So Saul disguised himself... And put on other clothes. And went and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night. And he said please conduct a seance for me. And bring up for me the one. I shall name to you. Isn't it fascinating. That Saul had to disguise himself. Or felt like he had to he is he, Friend he had already disguised himself. By turning his back. That conscience, that seared conscience had already been, it begun years ago. Here is another clear indication of where his mind was. A man is unstable in all his ways. This speaks to the very life of King Saul bypassing God's will, disguising himself, going in the deep of night, hiding. Little by little, decision by decision, Saul had made his choice. Now, he obviously still believed in God, or he wouldn't inquired of him in verse six. But now he wants when he's gone to a medium, a witch, a place called Endor. I think that. So he disguised himself and went to her and he says, I want a seance. Can you believe that, folks? A lot of people just aren't happy with the word of God, with the provisions of God, with the plan of God. With Even today, they're not happy with the f- sacrifice of Christ. They want more. They think there should be more. They're not happy with his kingship. His words are not enough. And there are many voices competing for your attention just as there are voices competing for Saul's. So we're going to stop here for this study, friend, and we'll continue on and conclude it next study time, folks. We'll end this strange case of King Saul visiting a witch at Endor for a séance. What will happen? What will go on? What will actually come up from the dead? And how will Saul react? Join us for that next study, friend. Thank you for listening. And remember, God is enough. Place the voices aside. Put your life and hands in Christ and listen to his words and words alone. That's our study for this broadcast. Well, folks, what do you think about that? Ooh-wee! Can't wait for the part two on that one, folks. Well, whew. Oh, the scriptures are there for a reason. to Help us and to shape us and point us in the right direction. To put our lives in the hands of Jesus Christ. Amen, folks. Amen, in glory. Hallelujah. And now we have the conclusion to name that Bible character. alright folks here was the clue as jesus watched i am the amount of money the poor widow threw into the treasury how much money am i the answer is two mites two mites m-i-t-e-s two mites mark chapter 12 41 and 42 and jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. As Jesus watched, I am the amount of money the poor widow threw into the treasury. How much money am I? Two mites, and name that Bible character. Well, folks, you too can become a follower of Jesus Christ. Giving your life over to Him of repentance and submitting to baptism, you'll be forgiven, you'll be blessed, you'll have a peace that passes all understanding. My goal here is very simple that is to encourage you along the way to help you find your passion and life in Jesus Christ. Visit our website, normanchurch.com. Normanchurch.com. Well, friend, I want to tell you what a privilege and honor it's been for me to have you walking along my side during this show. May God bless
0: you. The Lord reigns. He is a mighty God. The Lord God reigns. The Lord reigns. He is a mighty God. The Lord God reigns. Greatest Lord Almighty, He is Lord, He's God indeed. Greatest Lord Almighty, He is God supreme. Great is the Lord Almighty, He is Lord, He's God indeed. Great is the Lord, Great is the Lord. The Lord reigns, He is a mighty God. The Lord God reigns, the Lord. To my team